just fade them out there. This is, uh, that was, is Chicha Libre doing The Hungry Song from Sonida Amazonico, Peruvian music. Before that, Selda Bagkan did Inche Inche, she's Turkish. Before that, Mark Ribot, two from Mark Ribot doing Cuban music. Como Se Gonza en el Barrio and Aura El Pican, those are both from Mark Ribot y los Cubanos Postizos, the prosthetic Cubans, go figure. Before that, a couple of from the Chicago Afrobeat Project Superstar Part 7 and BSCG2 from A Move to Silent Unrest. That's my take on the sports show. It's now 6.30 and it's time for Gray Matters. So here we go. Indeed, here we go. And yes, folks, uh, we're in a sort of a period of open sign-up here between uh, semesters. So welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we'll give uh, the fans out there a minute of sports. Johan, don't call me Yamir Yager. Franzen, wow. What? He's been remarkable. Unbelievable. He just looks like Yamir Yager on the ice all of a sudden. He's... Everywhere he's making incredible he's plays. Got he's got a little bit of Thomas Holmstrom in him too. Those uh, he's got reach. He's close deflections. Oh, what a what a turn of events and uh, mighty timely for the Detroit Red Wings. So let's uh, hope that continues. I think we thrashed Colorado pretty good, even though Game One ended up being a little closer than uh, the score might have indicated. But yeah, well, that end of that first game, I think they did spend a lot of time in the third period uh, being chased around by Colorado. The pressure was on there, but uh, clearly dominating in the second game. And uh, the fact that the Colorado uh, goalie has been started and pulled in Twice, both games. Yeah. yeah, first time, you know, cut him some slack. He had the flu, apparently. I had the flu recently myself. I can't imagine playing NHL playoff hockey with the flu. So uh, that's got to be quite an ordeal. Um, but uh, to be started twice and pulled, uh, the word is that he's their number one guy. They're going to start him again. I think if the Wings can pepper him uh, early, uh, he's toast. And uh, so perhaps will be the avalanche. Forsberg, I think, is a non-factor. His groin injury is uh, has him as day-to-day. And uh, I just don't think he's going to be able to make the difference. His groin injury is growing that's the Ann Arbor News. What's made that famous mistake <laughs> about a frat boy over on Cambridge getting uh, shot in the growing <laughs> oh, yeah, a- by a BB gun? And, of course, that's the problem with spell check. <laughs> yeah, the- he probably wasn't growing too much after that for a while. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> it, it worked under spell check, but uh, usage was incorrect. Yeah. Uh, well, th- one, one of the classics of the Ann Arbor News. Uh, yeah. And one just quick final brain yeah. damage award. I'm going to give the uh, Washington uh, Wizards fans a brain damage award. In yesterday's game, they started chanting overrated to LeBron James. This is an intramural uh, controversy that we don't need to go into, but I don't think you want to start calling one of the greatest basketball players of all time, who's at the age of 23, shown that he's hardly overrated. Uh, he proceeded to go on a little bit of a tear, including two tremendous thunderous dunks, one in which he weaved through about five guys, the whole team, and just calmly went up and slammed it with his left hand. And uh, 
Yeah, he's overrated. Uh, something like 34 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. He's obviously fallible like uh, all uh, human beings and all basketball players, but uh, I didn't hear much Somewhat of... Somewhat talented. I didn't hear much of overrated chance going after the Cavaliers went on a little run to uh, kind of take control of that series. So let's hope the Wings can win one out in Colorado and wrap it up at home. Indeed. And there's no accounting for the nonsensical behavior of fans sometimes. Uh, the game tonight, and uh, I'm not sure if it's in Philadelphia or Montreal. Um, I'll have to re-examine that. But uh, that series is getting particularly nasty. And uh, Philadelphia fans, that, that team actually had a, like a record of uh, suspensions this year. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see uh, how that's going to play out if the nastiness level will be allowed to rise by the league yeah and definitely a strange goal in game seven by philly speaking of nasty in which the guy sort of bowled yeah another guy over the goalie and the goal counted but that's neither here nor there uh there's an old saying when you come to a fork in the road take it I don't understand this Reverend Wright thing. I don't understand why the media is just obsessed with this guy. Um, now he's, you know, talking for three hours on national television. And, hey, he's got a right to defend himself. And uh, how appropriate that he called Dick Cheney, uh, Dick Cheney's patriotism out yeah. today, uh, noting that uh, I served six years in the military and Dick Cheney, zero which brings us to George Bush's outstanding military record of one year of service, uh, one year of not showing up for a physical, failing to show up for a physical, one year of working on a Senate campaign, one year of uh, weekend duty. Apparently he showed up six times over the course of a year, something like four of those times for dental work. And... Two years where he was in business school at Harvard, where he was, quote, too busy to fulfill his National Guard service. Um, you could that probably, says it all. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could probably fill airtime with the extraneous commentaries from any number of the candidates, spiritual advisors, past or present. Yeah. Um, the secret nature of Dick Cheney's dark spiritual overlord remains a question mark. Uh and, of course, America's premier spiritual advisor throughout Vietnam was the Reverend Billy Graham. Who openly called on, uh, in a sort of a attempt at mercy, uh, to not bomb civilian centers, but to bomb dams and agricultural areas so yeah. that they could be killed in a more gentle way. He was, ironically, both a close friend of both Lyndon Johnson and uh, uh, Richard Nixon, uh, hence his... Uh, Elevation to America's spiritual advisor uh, during... Uh, his, his son now runs the franchise. The Indo-Chinese Wars, uh, in which uh, several million civilians were killed, uh, thanks to America's uh, humane bombing. Speaking of humane bombings and Nixon, uh, got to give a brain damage award to Hillary, don't call me Jack D. Ripper, yeah. Clinton for some fairly remarkable language. Uh, she said last week, this is from an April 23rd article in the uh, Financial Times, quote, I want the Iranians to know that if I'm the president, we will attack Iran. 
In the next 10 years, during which they might foolishly consider launching an attack on Israel, we would be able to totally obliterate them. Wow. That's the sort of thing that, you know, she says out loud in public, something that Nixon might have only written in an eyes-only memo to Kissinger, as in the infamous memo from Nixon to Kissinger, anything that flies on anything that moves. But uh, fortunately, uh, some in the media called her out on this the next day, and uh, columnist Philip Stevens says that uh, we've left behind a time when it was deemed reasonable to visit the sins of tyrannical rulers on entire nation. Uh, here's Hillary threatening to kill 70-odd million Iranians in a sort of a whimsical statement. Yeah, demonstrating that she's tough. And, of course, last week was just classic disinformation by the Bush administration regarding the entire Middle East. Uh, this, of course, following the uh, embarrassing revelations regarding the hidden hand of Pentagon analysts, retired uh, military generals that were recruited by Donald Rumsfeld to uh, <clears throat> provide additional public relations to back up the Bush administration's message. I just found it an interesting week. You know, they one day they spend um, showing the so-called Syrian nuclear plant that Israel bombed. Back in September of 07. Yeah, after they'd remained relatively silent for six months. Yeah, this is an interesting and somewhat multi-layered story. Yeah, they, they uh, of course, blame Iran for Baghdad attacks. Uh, Iran is, is always a convenient whipping boy in presidential election years. Uh, very few votes are lost by um, bad-mouthing Iran for a variety of reasons, but uh, no serious examination, uh, by the way, of America's uh, relationship with Iran these many, many years. Um, so, yeah, it's just a relentless counterattack to change the subject. And, of course, I think it was the day after the, uh, the Pentagon story was revealed, the Bush administration makes this big, splashy announcement about you know, the, the reorganization of the command in the Middle East. Oh, right, In right. which Petraeus is uh, given a promotion. Um, here's the guy that actually has made things work, but to the extent that they've worked, uh, in Baghdad. And he's being given uh, jurisdiction over the entire region. CENTCOM, uh, responsible for the military... Uh, shall we say, strategy of the uh, entire region. But how fascinating to uh, put this in the context of a recent GAO study, uh, this by Eric Schmidt from the 18th of April in the New York Times, regarding the Bush administration's complete failure to deal with Pakistan. It says that the GAO Accountability Office, an investigative arm of Congress, has issued a report stating that, quote, the Bush administration has failed to develop a government-wide plan to combat terrorism in Pakistan's unruly tribal areas, even though top American officials concede that al-Qaeda has regenerated its ability to attack the U.S. and has established havens in the border region. It notes that um, it criticized the uh, Bush administration for, quote, relying too heavily on Pakistan's military to achieve American uh, counterterrorism goals. 
while paying only token attention to economic development and improving governance. Yeah. Uh, it notes that nearly $6 billion of the $10.5 billion in aid that Washington has given to Pakistan since 2001 has been directed towards combating terrorism in the tribal areas, but about 96% of this aid has gone to reimburse Pakistan for its use of 120,000 troops in counterterrorism missions in that area that have shown little success. Um, it discusses, of course, how back in March of 2006, after Musharraf met with Bush, and uh, they developed, uh, quote, wide-ranging counterterrorism plans for the tribal area, the American embassy began coordinating efforts by the Pentagon State Department and the Agency for International Development, also known as AID. More than two years later, according to the GAO, that plan has failed, uh, has uh, provided uh, nearly $1 billion over four years in economic aid and reconstruction assistance in the tribal areas and has not been fully approved in Washington, lacks full financing, and faces uncertain support by the newly elected Pakistan government. Quote, it's appalling there's still no comprehensive interagency strategy. So while John McCain waxes and reinforces and repeats repeatedly that we have al-Qaeda on the run in Iraq, as if that's the problem in Iraq. <laughs> um, oh, would that it were. And of course, he's kind of confused, very confused indeed. He keeps claiming that Iran and al-Qaeda are allied somehow. Uh, yeah, these are the military experts in charge of the American government. Well, there was and an old... only there were a few more generals behind the scenes that could be paid to go on television to reinforce the public relations message of the Bush administration. It's message force multipliers. It's the new euphemistic term for... Paid the, shill. the Donald Rumsfeld uh, program, who, by the way, you know, and this is kind of interesting. I saw a little note uh, several uh, months ago that Rumsfeld is writing his memoirs. And it will, quote, not only cover his years in the Bush administration, but his experiences with Nixon, Ford, and Reagan, his work in the private sector, and his early life. And in contrast to recent political figures, Mr. Rumsfeld is foregoing an advance and will donate profits to a nonprofit foundation he recently established to make educational grants to young people interested in public service and establishing links between the United States and Central Asia. Well, that's a nice focus for a charitable organization one might have imagined that he perhaps could have established a charitable donation for the needs of crippled veterans and their many rehabilitative uh, needs uh, family supports and so forth Rummy, you big dummy well there's an old monty python skit uh, in which the gag was uh, not much fun in stalingrad and of course there isn't much fun in stalingrad but there's not much fun in 
Kabul either, as the assassination attempt of uh, Karzai uh, proves. And uh, there was so little fun that uh, as security guards immediately covered Mr. Karzai as snipers, uh, gunfire came from a building 300 meters away from the platform on which he spoke. Uh, security guards immediately covered Mr. Karzai, and dignitaries, including the U.S. and U.K. ambassadors, were told to lie on the ground. That's because it's a friendly city. Well, and it the, the whole event reminded me of the Sadat assassination. Huh. Um, interesting, by the way, I've read some books regarding the Sadat assassination. Uh, Ayman al-Zawari the political wizard behind Al-Qaeda, a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, was peripherally involved in that assassination. Yeah. But it's now been revealed that the CIA, through, quote, private contracts, actually had security responsibility for protecting Sadat and uh, Protecting typical, with quotes on either yes. side? I'm <laughs> um, so good at that. Yeah, and you begin to wonder about the hidden hand and the some of these secret teams that have been involved in various scandals. It might have been time for Sadat to uh, <clears throat> meet his maker, so to speak. Uh, Exceeded so his usefulness. Hosni Mubarak could be elevated. He, of course, has been in power ever since. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, or at least I do. Well, there's lots to wonder about when these sorts of things happen in such almost systematic-seeming ways. Just to go back briefly to this story about the alleged North Korean alliance with a Syrian nuclear reactor, just to follow the way this kind of unfolded in the media. On uh, the 25th of April, we've got the headline, Flashy Pyongyang Helped Syria Build Nuclear Reactor, according to public disclosure from U.S. intelligence briefing a cia briefing contained a video that uh, brings together a compilation of still images including satellite imagery ground imagery photographs taken inside the facility uh, the article goes on to say while u.s and israeli intelligence suggest syria was very close to completing the physical reactor they have no evidence that syria had obtained plutonium to feed the reactor well an uh, article in greater depth further inside that day's financial times ask questions about the timing of this announcement. Sure, because there were the North strike, Korean... Yeah, the strike, strike was yeah. uh, back in September of 07. Uh, but there are some who suppose that uh, a faction allied with Vice President Dick Cheney wanted this information released because they believed it would scupper the so-called six-party talks with North Korea mm -hmm. and that this would be awkward uh, and embarrassing and uh, would cause problems there. Interestingly, though, there's also a sort of a backstory on this wherein Turkish mediation, an attempt to bring Israel and Syria together for negotiations, uh, there's interesting accounts that uh, they're well first of all Syria is saying that it will have no uh, direct negotiations with Israel until a new US administration takes office. Not hard to see uh, how they might take that position but uh, under this Turkish mediation apparently uh, Syria says the mediation has yielded an offer, an Israeli offer, for a withdrawal from the Golan Heights in return for a peace treaty with Damascus. Israel has declined to comment on this, but again, the timing of this uh, becomes rather 
odd. Well, the next day, Mm -hmm. there are now doubts about the strength of the intelligence. Indeed. The message force (laughs) multipliers seem to be dividing. In fact, so does the photograph that uh, purports to show North Korean scientists with serious nuclear chief that looks badly photoshopped. Mm -hmm. And uh, one commentator says that uh, the photo is hardly conclusive evidence. Well, undoubtedly, the North Koreans got into Syria by way of Iraq. In other words, they'd sort of stick out like a sore thumb over there. Um, And I have doubts about this entire scenario. Uh, Let's remember that it was the United States' wink and nod uh, regarding Pakistan's development of nuclear power, uh, which had a little North Korean connection, oddly enough. Uh, But needless to say, many of the scientists involved in Pakistan's nuclear program were allowed to, shall we say, be educated in the United States on developing such facilities. And the United States did a lot of winking and nodding when when it was quite clear that that was going on in the 1980s uh, when Ronald Reagan was uh, in charge of the world, if not his own mind. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, you, you begin to wonder, because, of course, North Korea was part of the axis of evil. Yep. Bush's famous 2002 State of the Union. In which, Syria is fairly easy to whip on, too. Yeah. Syria and Iran are, you know, round up the usual suspects, right. <laughs> as the movie Casablanca so famously. But another interesting wrinkle here is that the United Nations nuclear watchdog, IAEA, is saying, hey, how come we haven't been forwarded this information? Mm -hmm. If there is indeed evidence, aren't we the appropriate branch of world bodies to investigate? Certainly they've been able to get access to places that politically affiliated organizations have not, and that ideologically based intelligence operations have not. So the confidence level in this intelligence is, according to unofficial... Uh, quote, uh, our confidence level that its weapons is low at this point based on the physical evidence. Well, then there's this embarrassing story, which interestingly precedes all this. Mm. April 23rd. Mm. Precisely. U.S. Army engineer accused of spying for Israel. And uh, this sounds like a fairly substantial one. It's certainly the most noteworthy one since Jonathan Pollard, who was jailed for life in 1986 as an Israeli spy. This former U.S. Army engineer uh, has been uh, arrested on charges of supplying nuclear and other military secrets to Israel. Interestingly, well, the guy's name is given here. We don't need to. He's a U.S. citizen. Uh, here's the interesting part of the article. And rather aged, as I recall. Yeah. Um, Wasn't he like almost in his mid-80s? I don't think he's quite that old. I well, anyway. don't have an age here, yeah, but this is the remarkable element of this story, uh, for my money, is that uh, the charges against Mr. Kaddish, Ben-Ami Kaddish, is this guy who's been arrested, revealed that the unnamed diplomat, an Israeli diplomat who uh, has been charged with, you know, linked to this spy ring, uh, was among Mr. Pollard's Israeli handlers. Mm-hmm. And this guy is allowed, apparently, to continually uh, run this sort of an operation. Now, of course, 
you know, any reasonable person is aware of the fact that countries spy on other countries all the time. You spy on friends and enemies. Um, but the extent to which the state of Israel has spied on, I mean, these are high-profile cases. And uh, bizarre. Well, and there have been a variety of them over the years. Uh, if they're provided with so much raw material and funding from the, the get-go. And, of course, the media doesn't cover them nearly as thoroughly as they do the sermons of Reverend Wright. <laughs> For one example, yeah. <laughs> For one example. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was an unusual week of uh, message force multipliers appearing in the media with uh, all sorts of classic disinformation, um, questionable press conferences, and uh, clearly a not-so-hidden agenda behind virtually everything that was announced. Meanwhile, of course, uh, fierce battles are continuing uh, in Iraq, and uh, yeah, Karzai uh, was nearly killed... Uh, Sadat style by evil forces. Of course, the Pennsylvanians uh, voted. Uh, we were pretty accurate on our prediction there. Um, and I think that the, uh, the next, basically, the, you know, the, the, the primaries next week in Indiana, I, I like to say the final four. It's going to come down to Oregon, Indiana, Kentucky, and North Carolina. And I have a sense that Obama will win at least two of those rather decisively, Oregon and North Carolina. I think Indiana and Kentucky will be uh, closer for a variety of reasons. Um, what do you think about this uh, Indiana voter ID law? Well, I think that that's an interesting example of classic disinformation that's, that's articulated in the uh, body politic in America, the notion that there's widespread voter fraud in America is ludicrous. It's difficult enough to vote once. <laughs> um, I, I have to admit, I did go down to, after voting in Michigan, I went down to Ohio to stand in line for 10 hours uh, to vote in one of the uh, African-American precincts in Cleveland. I was gone, you know, for, cost me 24 hours of my life to cast one vote in Ohio. Of course, I'm joking, because uh, this is a joke. Um, not surprising that, of course, all of the people that upheld this law are Republicans. This is a Republican myth that's promoted, uh, that there's widespread voter fraud. Uh, well, no, the there's much is, more but not the kind that they're talking about. Not, not the kind they're talking about. There's, there's certainly been ballot box stuffing and... Uh, Count problems. If... They want to look at some voter fraud. They ought to look at southwestern Ohio uh, in some of the white areas surrounding Cincinnati. I think it might be interesting if uh, somebody organized a, uh, a campaign in which uh, several hundred thousand um, monitors, uh, precinct monitors who vote absentee in their own states went down to the tri-state region of Indiana, Kentucky, and Cincinnati area and went to all of those uh, precincts where the whites vote to see how many of them have their driver's licenses and whatnot. Uh, be interesting. I doubt anybody's got the money or the chutzpah to organize something that 
uh, involved, but it's just not surprising. Uh, Personally, you know, obviously I'm a person with a driver's license, and I don't have problems throwing it in front of the guy at the uh, precinct uh, here in Ann Arbor. But many people do. Um, There are, incidentally, many aged African Americans that have no birth certificate. These people were born in Jim Jim Crow states in the South. Uh, and have never been given, quote, birth certificates. So that in and of itself is an outrage. And, you know, it's too bad. I brought my Bill of Rights with me, and I think it fell out of my pocket on the way over here, but I wanted to read the uh, the 15th Amendment and compare the words in it to the Second Amendment. Uh, hmm. the, they're very interesting regarding... Uh, the rights of uh, shall not be abridged or inhibited, I think, is the wording of the 15th Amendment, uh, whereas the wording of the Second Amendment is infringed. And it strikes me that when you hear the uh, right-wing conservatives boast so repeatedly how they are such strict constructionists, one wonders why these words... um, because they, they are different. Infringed is in the Second Amendment. And I believe in the 15th Amendment, the precise words are restricted and abridged. And uh, I think there should be a rather in detailed discussion as to why the Second Amendment, you can't seem to pass any law infringing on gun owners' rights, whereas in the 15th Amendment, you can pass voter laws that do seem to inhibit and abridge um, people on the right of, of quote, color or national uh, origin. So uh, it'll be interesting to to read the precise uh, opinions there. I was somewhat surprised that John Paul Stevens voted with the conservative wing of the Supreme Court and it once again reinforces the significance of this upcoming election. Um, yeah, I've got the 15th Amendment here. The right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Oh, it's denied or abridged. Okay. And we can uh, pull up the And second. I remember the second, it's in fringe, you know, regarding the, the vagueness of the wording of the Second Amendment. Um. So, you know, I mean, I, it's obviously going to be a ma- 